0: Off the Ball with Betdaq.com, The Sports Betting Exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport,
1: every team. Alright, you're very welcome along this uh, Friday evening. If you've missed the news round, it was classic stuff. Wasn't that right, Dave? It always is, Chair, is it not? Brian O'Driscoll is here with us today. Good 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 How are you? Great, great. Uh, proper rugby is back. Um, Leinster Osprey's kicking off in just a little while. Glasgow Ulster as well, and the Internationals are back too. So we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of other things first. We'll talk about the All Blacks maybe in a moment, but um, Luke Marshall has had a, another concussion, and again, this has led to speculation about the future of his career. And like, we don't really want to go down that route here because. Um, he he wrote a very eloquent letter to the uh, Sunday Independent about what it's like to be in the middle of a situation where your career might be at risk. You've suffered an injury, and everybody is speculating about that. Uh, what's that like? Yeah, it's not
2: easy. It's not easy, and and I think yeah, I'm I'm not going to get caught up in in that too. I, I suppose one, one thing I learned from 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 being outside of the team and being part of the media is. That what you read in the press is more often than not the, not the case, and particularly when it comes to the to the medical side of things. And with Johnny Sexton last year and all the concussion issues, it was actually just a neck issue. And I was just reading in the paper like everyone else about you know these concurring concussion issues and yeah. having, having sat out some time. And I think as a result, some of the comments that I might have made about his you know me wanting him to tackle lower probably didn't go down very well. So I'm I'm super conscious now that. You need to talk to the individual. You need to talk to the medical staff to get the full picture as to what the individual is like. Yeah. Um, in my in my own case with concussions, and they weren't quantified the same way as they are these days. Um, you know, there was if 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 you're working off a stumble, I probably had a fair few of those throughout the course of my career. But one thing that that I do remember is I never had adverse effects. Um, the the following day other than one occasion after the second test in the Lions Tour in 2009. So, might have had a bit of wooziness, not felt brilliant for the night of the game, but the next day never had any effects whatsoever and felt great and my return to play protocol resumed then and in every case other than the Lions, I... Could have played the following week, or did play the other week, or the following week. So with
1: with Luke, I have said that's crazy because
2: uh, there were times when we thought you'd been killed on the field, and, but but like, and I you're think for about five minutes. It's, it's and such an individual thing. I, 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 you, you can't you can't throw a blanket over over all of it. It's, yeah. it's very very specific to the individual. And you see, saw an article this week. Um, I think Johnny Watterson in the Times talking about how how he wished Ulster had given more detail on. Uh, On Luke Marshall, I, I think that's crazy. No, why would they provide more detail? Of course, they want to protect the player. He was looking for them to say, "Yes, we are concerned." He's had, you know, four previous concussions. First of all, they don't know what's going to happen over the course of this week. What they did immediately was they removed him from the game this weekend, and so they've given him a chance to fully recover and get a full view as to you know what sort of shape his body and his head is in. So they're protecting the player, and also. They don't want to play out in the media, giving comments that that at a later point that they want to retract. So they're drip feeding at the moment, small components to be able to get a bigger picture as to what sort of shape Luke is in. I think, you know, we saw we saw a real resurgence internationally from him during during yeah. the summer, and so you'd be massively hopeful that that he's one of those that you know, similar to me, that he can. You know, he can have these concussions, but yet not have a, a knock-on effect. There's, you know, there's different medical opinion out there as well about how many concussions are enough concussions to. I, I just don't know if there's there's no baseline level. There, you know, we don't have any science to to dictate that. You know, one individual is the same.
1: When you were suffering those concussions, were people expect I mean, it probably wasn't as big a story back at, at that point. Everybody was like, "Oh, he's grand. He got up. He played on." Uh, were there stories about, you know, you know, you need to stop playing or yeah, what there kind was. Of, yeah, there was the a bit of that. Yeah, there was a bit of that. Um,
2: and that was before it was It was such a heightened yeah. um, situation yeah, that we find ourselves then, in now. It was heroic. It was all, exactly. Yeah, it was heroic. We looked yeah. upon
3: you as, the, oh well, look, we knew he was a warrior, but look at him now. Two minutes ago, he was stumbling around the place, didn't really look like he knew where he was, and he's still playing. That's what O'Driscoll's all about. Where if you were that exact same person and player, were in this exact same situation... eight years later we'd be roaring at the TV screen is he still on the pitch
2: which is terrific that the game has gone that way like that our mentality has changed it's idiotic to think that someone's you know that it's tremendous the character that they know, have yeah. they, <laughs> you know, because injury. they got a because yeah because they're not thinking properly <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. because they've taken a knock and they're not functionally thinking like they would be a, a, you know in a training session or you know if they hadn't had that knock yeah. so you have to take that decision out, out of their hands which is which is what happens these days
1: yeah okay let's move on the All Blacks uh, generally being considered to play this is the greatest All Blacks team that we've ever seen or certainly in the last three or four decades it's just amazing to
2: think that you, you lose two players of the calibre and, and leadership of Richie McCaw and, and Dan Card and then that's not even to mention you know Matt and Anu. Conrad Smith was a re was a massive cog in that all yeah. back wheel over the last um, six, seven <laughs> years, and all of a sudden you're you kind of worried about that leadership team yeah. stepping up, and then the quality of players still being able to come through, and they are actually just getting better and better, and the gulf is getting bigger. What happens now? Like, how do we stop it? I don't know. I really don't know. It, it looks as though they're playing a different a different game to everyone else. It just looks easier. Looks in in more slow motion. They have more time on the ball. Um, their their ability to to make decisions is quicker. You just that. You know, a couple of hundredths of a second quicker, which is the difference, yeah. being able to get off loads away. So
3: is there, you see it as New Zealand are are what? continually getting better, yeah. is it, as opposed yeah. to the I'm, quality of the opposition they're up against is actually starting to go the other way.
1: Is there any possibility this is a bad championship yeah. and the rest of the teams are actually going through a horrible season? Yeah, yeah, almost think making a bit, I New Zealand, think a bit Zealand I think there's definitely that
2: with South Africa, I think. But you look at what happened in the Argentinian game, you know, there was yeah, a point played. they got to within a point and then... yeah. You know, you turn away, you blink, and you know, all of a sudden there's, there's two quick tries scored, and the game's over.
3: Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched they're, a single rugby championship match beyond the hour mark this year because yeah, they're over. They're they all are. over after the hour mark. But 54 minutes in, you're thinking, what a shock this could be. And yep. you say, 21 points have been tacked on in eight minutes.
2: But even Wales during the summer, you know, lived with them for the first half, and then all of a sudden they're conceding yeah. 50. And you go, wow, how did that happen? They're yeah. so to score. What's that down to? Well I I think first of all they have they're they're the fittest team in the world. Okay. I think that's a that's huge compliment. I, I know that I know that from John Plumtree has gone down and he's um he's with what is he's with the Hurricanes this year as assistant coach they won the the uh, Super uh, 15 and I remember him saying to someone one of the fitness coaches one of the coaches back here saying they're they're at a different level. You know that he's seen the scores in Ireland, he's seen the scores in South Africa. They're actually just much how,
1: how does that happen? I, I
2: don't know, mate. I don't know whether that's genetics. Um, cause I don't think they're, they've more cutting edge, um, science, science behind yeah. and, and understanding of the physical makeup of of how far rugby players can push themselves, but their durability as well. Yeah. Other than but, this week, this last weekend, their, their capabilities of getting their best players out in the pitch week after week in these massively attritional games against South Africa, you know, Argentina and, and, um, and, and Australia yeah. but yet they who are trying are to kill them yeah are constantly trying are, are able to you know they, they have very few enforced changes a lot of them are selection changes because they have such a wealth of because yeah. they want the to get a 21 year old
1: a taste of taste keeping a them of in me. check
3: though doesn't that take an awful lot out of op- opponents as well it does, they may be well be fitter than everybody else it may well size. be genetic but I mean if Wales keep New Zealand in check or Argentina do likewise for 50 minutes that is just, they've had to empty their tank just to keep New Zealand and the, just to keep themselves in the game. So then eventually fatigue takes over. And it may not necessarily be that New Zealand are that much fitter than them, but New Zealand have probably had more of the ball. Their opponents have had to make far more tackles. They've had to get themselves off the ground, form far more often, hit more rooks, commit more bodies to rooks. So by the time they actually get to a certain point of the clock, they just had to. They've had to put an awful lot more into it than the All Blacks have.
2: Yeah, having said that, I I would agree with that in general. But having said that, look, you look back to that Argentinian game. I don't know what 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 point it was when they were one behind. And you just sensed that this, there was there was something there was something on here because the All Blacks, for the first time ever, looked fatigued. Yeah. Their forwards in particular looked tired, and then they have these individuals that are are capable of doing things of brilliance. And at the moment, the informed player in the world in Bowden Barrett just is. He, it looked so easy to him and he was able... I think he scooped the ball up and all of a sudden he turned the defence into attack down the pitch 30, 40 yards and then, you know, they again he doesn't go to a ruck I remember reading uh, Gordon Darcy was talking about in the paper during the week doesn't go to that ruck mm. and then you know make, makes a little offload and they score under the six and that's a seven pointer when it's potentially three up the other end ten point swing yeah. and that momentum absolutely devastates teams
3: That's um, maybe more of the underrated part of the All Blacks is it? Because we always hear them talking about how fit they are how they never drop a ball in training they get the basics done better than any other team but they also have more supreme game breakers than yeah. any other team don't they?
2: Yeah they do. Um and then and and across the 23 as well. When you when you look at the calibre that can come off the bench, you think about someone like Israel Dagg was left out of the World Cup um 2 years ago. And now, you know, he's on he's and he's he's not even playing in his favourite position. Yeah. But all black wingers score tries. Julian Sevilla has nearly as many tries as he has test matches. So, um it's it's they just have an incredible standard and, and caliber of player, and if you have an off game, you you could get the shepherd's hook, and you, mm. you mightn't see game time again. There's, is there stuff we can steal from them, or it's it's not really as simple as that? It's not, yeah, we as do. As we are stealing a few of them and getting them residency in three years.
3: <laughs> 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 I have the Lions a chance. Like I know it's a
1: I long way out. Did, I thought
2: I, they did, and I just I'm I'm, I'm reverting back to my original.
1: Well, what about Ireland in November? is obviously much more pressing.
2: Yeah. I I again I, <laughs> I felt a few weeks back before maybe a bit before the rugby championship yeah. or early in the rugby championship. Yeah, we still have a chance but on that form. Yeah. We I don't think we we can we can live with that New Zealand team. We just have to a, implement our game better than ever. Hope they have a bit of an off day and get jet lag maybe. And then and then <laughs> you know, get a massive portion of lady luck that we haven't had in the past. And those components were there in 2013 and we didn't have that tiny bit of luck at the end. Or someone to step out of the line and... You know, and cheat a little bit, and give away a penalty, or just break that momentum. Because again, yeah. that momentum that they generated in the
1: last in injury time, mm-hmm. you just have to stall that. And we didn't manage to do that. And yeah. That was the difference. Let's uh, just talk briefly about the, the provinces. We're going to go into much more detail about the provinces when we've got a, a bigger body of work to talk about, and when more of the internationals are back. But the frontline internationals are starting to come back. So the Leinster team tonight has uh, a, like not all of them starting, but we're getting there at this point, and they've got a really strong bench as well. This is kind of the start of the the season proper, isn't it? Yeah, it
2: it is. We can Uh, see
1: what the coaches are trying to do and implement.
2: Yeah, it is and it isn't, right? Because, you know, so Johnny, it's his first start. Um, He hasn't played since the Pro 12 final, uh, had surgery. So you can't expect miracles today from him. And I don't know, again, it's very, it's it's an individualistic thing where, or an individual thing where, You know, it takes some players two games to get up and running. Yeah, yeah. Others five. Yeah. Um, For me, it was always the latter. It was always probably five was when I really felt I was was up to speed and, you know, I had that game fitness. And and we talk about it so much, about doing all the hill running all you like during pre-season. But that thinking, that mental fatigue, whilst still trying to play a game, is different than anything that you can create at training. Will he
3: be gasping ten minutes into this game tonight? He
2: should be. He should be. Um,
3: Praying it, it for really, your second wind to come really, far earlier than you would hope. It needs yeah, to, come. Well,
2: and it's sometimes about getting it in 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 the warm up. Um, oh, yeah. Some, yeah, sometimes <laughs> yeah, you think about oh, I'll you know I'll try and conserve energy. Sometimes trying to get that and really knock your, yourself out. He knows too. The likelihood is probably you know he might only play sixty sixty five minutes. So you know he can get that uh, second wind early. And Johnny's fit. He he he'd be one of the fitter mm. guys. Uh, so he he'll be fine but he has so much uh, communicating to do um so many calls to make and that
1: even takes more um more effect on on your levels of fitness speaking of the all blacks just briefly gary ringrose is obviously playing in the uh 13 spot tonight should we have seen him play for Ireland at this stage if, yeah I think we should have the all blacks he, w- he would have played they would have I don't think it's I'm not comparing
2: us to them in that regard but i th- i think there was scope for him having been capped at this stage i think he's he showed enough form early on i don't see the reason i don't think developmentally he's going to vastly change over the course of the next you know from when he broke onto the scene last year to yeah. a year's time when maybe we're looking at him getting capped in november um i i I I wish that he had. I kind of jokingly said uh, on on Twitter that you know we could do worse than um, than Gary Ringrose starting against Wales in the first Six Nations game last year. You know, many is a true word said in jest. I really don't think he would have been out of his depth. Yeah. If if he had been started there, and I and I wish that he had certainly gone on tour to South Africa. He deserved a Test match on the performances. I think this guy's different than a lot of his peers, the same age, um, where he has that skill set. He has, he, th- he sees things a fraction earlier than yeah. most people.
1: And so actually, by playing with even better players in the Ireland team, he's going to improve too. I really think he will. And he's he's there for the future. What
2: oh, I just don't know what the minding thing is. He's not going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there's going to be times he'll get absolutely smashed, but that's the, that's the case in Pro 12, or yeah. it's going to, going to be the case in European rugby as well. So I think for me, I, I wish that he had gone on tour and had been given a bit of a, an opportunity. Um, and you know, it'll it'll come in November. Um, maybe not against uh, the All Blacks. Um, is it Canada? Is the is the other? Is that the other game? Yeah, I think it is Canada, right? Australia. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'd imagine all going well that he'll definitely get capped against Canada. But I I think there's you know there's way more capability in them than just waiting for for Canada.
1: Also tonight Ulster are at Glasgow in Scots soon. that one's kicking off really soon as well. Ulster have been brilliant at the start of the season. They've been like proper uh, moments where they've been like their backs have played brilliantly. They really have. Well th- listen, th-
2: th- there's no doubt they've got a brilliant backline. Um but what I really liked too is just some of some of the plays that that yeah. they looked at. Um was it the S- Scarlets last week? Um it was actually a brilliant tr- uh, tackle from Liam Williams but it was a, a scrum on the left-hand side, deep in their own territory. Just a little bit the different variations, yeah. yeah. Little variations. We've seen all that sort of stuff, kind of eight, nine to 12, back to nine, that sort of stuff. But I hadn't seen the one drop back into to Ludic and the, the, the dummy runners took out the the... Ten, twelve as well. It was just brilliantly done, but subtle enough for you know not to uh, send alarm bells to a referee. Yeah, um, and then linking up really well, Pietai, and onto Gil- Gilroy, and then a fantastic tackle from from Liam Williams. So I just, I, I really love that. There's a bit of ingenuity in in their setup too. Yeah. and I think in Charles Pietai, they've got one of the best players in Europe.
1: Well, they've put Pietai on the wing, and Jared Payne is at full back tonight. So I mean, Payne is knocking on the door to be Ireland's full back.
3: Yeah, is there, have we seen the end of the days of, of Payne? in the midfield for Ireland given what we saw in South Africa with McCluskey and with Luke Marshall we, Europe, we've just talked about Gary Ringrose is there any point is there any need for Jared Payne to be wearing 13 for Ireland No 12, I, I think I
2: think he was there um, for the World Cup for his defensive capabilities and he's a nice link player but there's no doubt that his best position is full back
3: is Joe thinking that as well I wonder
2: yeah I, I think once Joe feels as though he's stocked enough in the okay. centre So he's almost he's playing a waiting game at some point. Yeah, I, think, I he? think he'll be comfortable with Robbie playing thirteen and defending at thirteen when he gets back back up and running. Um so you know, Jared is is can facilitate that position, but I, I do think that Joe, you know, looking at his performances, particularly that first test, you look at the two two of the tries came from, you know, a little bit of um, you know, sublime skill from yeah. him, little offloads, and, and they're the small things that you need in you know in watertight games.
3: And what we never really got to see from him when he was when he was playing in midfield, we were clamoring for the offloads. We knew he could deliver. Fifteen, he gets more of a chance to do it.
2: He doesn't. He's, he's one of these arcing runners that doesn't look as though he's he's traveling at any pace, but he has. Um, a deceptiveness to Deceptively and I think quick he, sure. I, think, I think he can Just I, like I didn't, you say, and me. I didn't <laughs> say deceptively quick he's deceptive <laughs> but uh, yeah no, I, I like Jared a lot at 15
1: One last thing right so we've been talking about Munster and how they need to um, build throwing back into a fortress uh, so this is the week where most of the internationals are funneling back and uh, so Peter O'Mahony isn't back yet but still when you're looking at the Munster team there's a bunch of players who need to step up and prove themselves so their squad is clearly at a level that isn't at the same level as Ulster and Leinster at the moment, and the job that Razi Rasmus has is very difficult.
2: Yeah, it is because he 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 definitely has a uh, he's inherited a a team uh, uh, that still has the same passion that you know the predecessors had, but they don't have the same calibre, and that's the, the simplicity of it. If you look at that team. And you you know there are a few players to come back, but I don't think that monster team necessarily scares you when you see it on paper, whereas that used to be the case. You look used to think that there were you know eight nine ten really top class players i yeah. don 't think they have that at the moment they've got three or four, maybe five um but you 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 would still think that you know if they're able to, if they get themselves out of their group, I think that'll be a major result this year. And if they get into the top four, I think that'll be a good result from them. If they manage to win silverware, then Rassi, you know, needs huge kudos. Yeah,
1: it's going to be coaching this year that sees. The group take a leap forward as opposed to some individuals. Like obviously, they need some individuals to turn them into better players as well. But like, I guess what I'm saying is that it is a really difficult coaching job that he has to do with the available talent at the moment, and that talent has to improve significantly over the next couple of years. I
2: think you have to you have to realise too that his overseas players, you know, aren't really available for him. You know, I don't know what the story with Chisholm is. Um, I am Sayali. Si- um, Uh, has gone for a number of months so you you need your overseas players playing for you as well because they're the guys that plug the extra bit of class into your team along with your internationals and when you don't have them you're going to be light
1: Alright Brian, great we've got uh, Austin Healy coming up next Uh, what, what do you make of Austin Healy?
2: I, I, I obviously, as my fellow BT pundit, love Austin Healey, and he <laughs> will be delighted to come and join us, um, in, uh, the next part of the show. He's got a reputation as a lip, but actually there's a, there's an intellect there as well, there's a brain there. He's smart. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never ever tell him and I hope he doesn't listen back to this but he he's, he's an excellent pundit He's he reads it brilliantly for a guy that's retired since 08 he is um, he's really on point with, with what he's talking about and
1: very up to date on, on the current game. Alright great stuff Austin Healy's up next stay tuned. Off the Ball
0: with BetDAC.com the sports betting exchange serious about sports 24 7. Every season every sport, every team
1: Alright, I'm delighted to say we've got uh, Austin Healy with us. Austin, how are you getting on? Very good, thanks. Just arrived at
0: Bristol's Stadium, Ashton Gate, for their first, uh, well not their first, but my first game down here with BT Sport.
1: How is the uh, How is the life as a, a commentator treating you? It seems like it's something that you were made for.
0: What you mean? I talk a lot of no- nonsense on the regular occasions about twice a week. So yeah, in that case, uh, uh, yeah, it's alright.
1: Good. It's one of those things where you actually have to care about what you're doing and also be able to articulate it. That's kind of what I meant. In fairness, I was no, I was genuinely no, being no, nice. Wow!
0: Well, no, nobody told me you had to care about what you're doing. Are you sure I'm the right person for the job?
1: <laughs> I genuinely do think though that um, there's a, a lack of characters in the game at the moment, and that um, you know the players like you who come out and give interviews. There's there's less and less of those type of people. It's almost as if the media training kicks in. And everybody goes out and says it's just a great honour to play for the jersey, and I'm there for the team. And, you know, once we perform on our side of the ball and do everything we're supposed to do, a lot of it. I blame the Southern Hemisphere coaches, to be honest.
0: Uh, I just think players have got to be a bit more careful now. They've got a lot more riding on it than we did when we were playing. Uh, maybe not Dricko. I mean, has always had a lot riding on it, being the king of Ireland and stuff. So, um, But, I, you yeah, know, I think that they, they don't want to give anything away. They're, they're becoming more and more like professional footballers, in my mind. And there are still some great characters out there, but like you said, they're a little bit restricted. They're almost hamstrung by putting a foot wrong. And I don't think there's anything wrong with putting you know your foot in it. I've done it on numerous occasions.
2: Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Listen, you can. It does feel, and it, we're even hearing it from coaching staff as well about you know it's it's being all inclusive. You know, when they're asked about an individual mentioning two or three others, yeah. you know, they're in the same position. That sort of stuff, I think, probably grates a little bit on the public after a while. It's all going; it's all fine when things are going well for you, but when it's not, you know not going as well, I think that's when you potentially get the turn. People want opinion; they want, um, you know, they mightn't agree with it, but they want a specific opinion on, on on questions asked. And when you give generic pieces, I think we all start you know fall asleep and we we get a little bit bored of it, and we just don't we we don't thank people for it. So I think there is a bit of that. I think there is more at stake and players particularly with social media as well and the scrutiny that's involved in, in, in the game these days, you know, there is more scope for, for, for messing up and for getting a slap on the wrist. So I think as a result, players are way more cautious than, than they were back when Oz... Was playing and and then subsequently when I was playing.
1: Yeah, the thing is though that um, don't you actually end up having a much better career, like a post media career, and people care about you more, and you you know like it's actually of benefit to coaches and players to tell the truth. So you look at someone like Raj,
2: who's a great example, and the media loved Raj. Um, he was very popular amongst the lads, and I don't think he ever split a dressing room with, with something he said, but he always gave great sound bites. And now that I know that the TV with BT. Uh, anytime Marasinghe is playing, they're they're mad keen to get a, a comment from him because yeah. they know it's going to be good quality. They know it'll be honest, it'll be opinionated, it'll be specific to the question that's asked, um, rather than just you know churning out the generic line. You know that you know, I suppose the party line.
1: Yeah, Austin. There's the sense that some people have kind of manufactured a little bit, but for you, it always felt like it was um, it was honest. You know, when you disliked an opponent, you were pretty straightforward about it.
0: It wasn't the other way around, otherwise you'd only got negativity in their interviews. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got to pick Draco up on something. He said that subsequently when he retired, I mean, he made it sound like he's a lot younger than me. Now, I, I've, I, that, that's definitely not the case. I mean, I, I've seen him. I know he has a lot of Botox now because he's got this image to maintain whilst he's over there in Ireland. But I, th- there's no way he's a lot younger than me. I, I'm, I'm just not having that.
3: Yeah, I picked that one up too, Austin. Was, there was a, a twinkle in his eyes. He said that. Look, when you were playing and as vocal as you were on so many occasions when you were playing, it was a breath of fresh air. Were there any of your coaches, either at club or international level over the years, that actually did pull you aside and said, look, maybe you just need to button it a little bit more, maybe you need to think a bit more before you you say what's on your mind, or were coaches happy enough that they had a player in their ranks that A, was happy enough to give their opinion, but also was a good enough influence on some of the guys around them as well and took some of the pressure off them?
0: I don't think a coach ever pulled me aside and said, shut up. I think the Lions saw... in 2001 was probably the most dangerous, but I was just sick of us getting constantly bagged by all the Australian press and then making stuff up. And us being the Brits that we were and the Irish over there, just taking it on the chin and moving forward and letting them do what they wanted. So I wanted to fight back. And like Draco said, you want that competition, supporters, fans, whatever you want to call people who follow the game, they, they want that competition. They want to see that passion. And, um, no, I don't think a coach ever told me not to say anything and, or to think before I said it, because I always did think before I'd said it. So it was more a case that if I was offending someone, I wanted to offend them. Yeah. and that That's almost been taken out of society. It's, my daughters say it to me, no offense, Dad, but you're stupid. That's the sort <laughs> of, you know, the saying that you come out in the modern day society, mainly because social media, people get offended so easily and so quickly. But I think it's okay to offend someone.
1: If yeah. I want to offend
0: someone and I've got a different opinion to them, I don't care if they're upset or not.
1: Yeah, there's no right to not be offended uh, written down anywhere. There's no constitutional existence anywhere in the world that says, oh, I have a right not to be offended by opinions you hold. Uh, can I you, you brought up the Lions Tour. It made me, uh, the fact that we were speaking to you put me in mind of the one of the best columns that has ever been written and the uh, and published the the week of a final test. I just want to read two, two, three, four lines from this. Well, spin this, you Aussies, up yours. Is that enough to get into the Sydney Morning Sun Telegraph herald lot of shite? If ever I wanted to do something, it was beat you lot. There, that's better. Now calm down, Ozzer. And then it signs off with, maybe it's my turn to say something and be sent home. Like, here's to stuffing it up your so-called macho jacksy. What? I'm out of here. Uh, This is a work of art, Austin. This is brilliant. Well,
0: you have to thank Eddie Butler for that because I had absolutely nothing to do with it. So, uh, I think Eddie got slightly bored on that tour and the last two uh, columns, I don't know if Dricko remembers because he was playing, but I had a bad back and by the final test day I was on a concoction of red wine and Valium. So there's no way I could have even written my own name, let alone a column.
2: <laughs> what did the, what did Graham Henry say to you when, uh, when he read that, Oz?
0: I don't think he said much, really, to me other than, you know, stop smiling, stop enjoying yourself, I'm in charge, you do it my way or the highway, or... In fact, uh, anything that came out of him that sounded like a teacher, I immediately switched off. So he could have been speaking to me infinitum, but I, I can't recall anything that he said during the whole tour.
3: You're in that change room, though, Brian, and the, tests, the series is so evenly balanced at one test apiece. When you read that from a player who you know is injured so can't actually play... Are you thinking, oh, for God's sake, like, talk about a red right to a ball. If they needed any more motivation to beat us in this final test, well, maybe Austin has given it to them.
2: I, do, I don't think we were looking at as, as a as a major positive uh, for ourselves. <laughs> 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 if, the, if the truth be known. Um you know listen it was it was it was finally balanced won all the momentum probably a little bit with them and um and then i remember you know and this was only retrospectively seeing uh, their coach talking on the lines uh, video afterwards you know talking about Oz's comments and saying thank you very much for supplying the mo- uh, the motivation for our game today but as players going into it i don't you know you you don't take that too much to heart when it's said about you i certainly never mm. did um, and so and I never really thought that the Australians this was going to be the difference in the Test match in the end it was and we didn't win the series but you know that, that's just the way some things go nice on Oz
0: I think you said there uh, as well retrospectively mm-hmm. so a column only becomes damaging if you yeah. lose the game so had, the, had we took that final line out and drove the ball over the line scored, won the Test series would they then have gone back and said wow that column just pushed the Australians over the edge in terms of their anger and they lost their focus because of it what they're actually saying is the column is completely irrelevant in the outcome. If you're not 100% motivated prior to the third test, deciding test between Australia and the Lions, then any piece of writing, even Shakespeare could rock up and write the best sonnet you've ever read in your entire life and it is not going to change you in one iota.
1: Is that uh, a view that you held at the time? Like, Did you ever get outside motivation from opponents? Because it seems as if Justin Harrison definitely got you motivated in that Brumbies game, I was just looking at the highlights of it again there. And he he starts the whole thing by bumping into you after you've scored a try and going, That's only one, we're still killing you. And then over the course of the rest of the game he's in causing trouble and you're over having some words. And then as you go over in the uh, in the last minute of the game to basically win the match, you you bump into him again and go, That's two tries and we've just beaten you. In the process of that though, he takes you out.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he's a great character. He got stuck in the game. He was different. He offered a point of difference, um, and it all started actually in the Australian A game where he, he knee dropped Will Greenwood. So I caught him with a really good punch, uh, which nobody saw because he was so fast, like a machine, really. <laughs> and uh, I, <laughs> and then backed off to the touch judge as he went mad, saying he's lost it, ref. You've got to send him off. And uh, we just went on from there. Really, I I enjoyed that, you know. I, I think it was only fair of me to pick on him because he's six foot nine and it would have been classed as bullying if I'd have picked on anyone else.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was a, pr- a proper focal point then for the, in the build-up to that final game and he ends up getting into the test team for it. Uh, you called him an ape and a plank in that column as An well. applaud. Yeah.
0: A applaud. <laughs> Again, three words that I would never use whilst insulting a tall a Neanderthal. Um, I, it would be, again, uh, Eddie, Eddie's poetic license there with those three, but it, it has stuck. It got, Strangely, the, the next time, I, the next international I played was in the autumn against Australia at Twickenham, and uh, his mum came over to me to after the game, and I thought, who's this massive lady coming over here? And, uh, <laughs> and she, she said, hi, I'm Justin Harrison's mum. I thought, oh, no, she's going to hit me. And she said, uh, I'd just like to thank you. I said, What do you want to thank me for? What have I done? She said, You've made my son far more famous than his rugby ability ever could have done in Australia. <laughs> Which I thought, which I thought was hilarious, and really summed up the humour that they've got in their family.
1: The law of unintended consequences. Uh. I, I do remember the scrutiny
2: over columns uh, in the in the two thousand and five Lions tour as a result of that. <laughs> oh, literally, you were not allowed to write anything until three, four sets of eyes had had uh, had signed off on it. So,
3: which is a real shame, though, isn't it? But that's yeah, you know, like I the suppose... amount of blandness we see nowadays.
2: Yeah, it
0: is. But maybe
3: it's all Austin's fault. <laughs>
0: It, if you it, want if you want inflammation, here's <laughs> one for you. I think that was the start of the end of the Lions.
3: Oh, yeah? That tour or that column?
0: I, I think taking a spin doctor on the Lions oh, indeed, door, yeah. to maintain a gap between reality and, uh, and what people want to see or what you can talk about was an absolute travesty in the historical development of the Lions as a, as a brand, as a team, as a group of people.
2: But but it's come back, right? It's come back in '09. It was a fantastic tour. Everyone waxed lyrically about how great it was, even though the series wasn't won. They went back to the brass tacks of what Lions is about is backing up. You know, Saturday, Wednesday, rooming together, having fun, having nights out. So yes, there was that's a, um, I suppose an aberration in Lions history. But yet it it's it's got to be you know treated as that. And I think we've recovered as a result. As a result, do you not think us?
0: No, I think to a certain extent, but I think the Lions is more like a a great sportswear brand that you're supposed to aspire to buy as opposed to really enjoy wearing. So I, I know what you mean about the players may enjoy it, but ultimately it's the opportunity for the brand to make a lot of money on, and the, the, the country that you tour to to receive funds from it as well. When we talk about a global game and a, a global calendar, where does it fit? Where does it have a space? Is it, are they going to make a space for it? Does it does it still have that carry? And I think the other thing that has probably affected it quite quite a bit is the growth of the World Cup and the desire for nations to perform at World Cups. And I think that has diminished the uh, the selection for the Lions a little bit as well. You want to be picked for your your English or your Irish World Cup squad probably more than you want to be picked for the Lions.
3: Was that not always the case since the World Cup? Was founded in eighty seven. Was it not always that you wanted to perform for Ireland at the highest level, or England in your case, Austin? Even more so than getting picked to tour with the Lions.
2: I, I know Oz's answer to this one. I think the specialness of being announced in a Lions tour and, and being picked for for you know to play in a first test is 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 so unique and so brilliant. And I, and I hate you know comparing. Mm. It, but it's it's apples and pears, you yeah. know. You, you you can't compare like for like. I think you have to treat them as the entities that they are, and they're very
1: different. You never but, have to make that choice either. It's not a real no, choice. no. You don't. Yeah. So, like no one ever and goes. So you just
2: keep them on on the same pedestal. For me, on the same pedestal, and and it's it's sort of in a parody place uh, because the Lions meant that you were one of the best thirty or thirty five players in the British in Britain and Ireland for that given year and that was that's a pretty impressive thing in your, given, in mm. your chosen so sport. You mentioned, how,
3: Austin, you mentioned maybe in 05 you felt that was the beginning of the end for the Lions in some ways and another aspect of that was and Brian just mentioned you know, you get picked for the Lions tour you're, you're recognised one of the best 30 or 35 in Great Britain and Ireland and in '05, was it 50 odd players that yeah. eventually made the trip out to New Zealand it seemed at the time that it, it really cheapened what it meant to be part of a Lions squad what it meant to wear the Lions jersey is that how you guys felt in around the time?
0: Yeah, I think so. And you look at it now as well. Before this Lions squad or the coach was named, there's a lot of complaints. Oh, this tour's really hard. Who put the itinerary together? You know, 40 years ago, they went on a boat for four months to get there. They played 50 games. They got their heads kicked in. They had a great time and they got the boat home. And now we're complaining about some pros playing 11 games or something ridiculous. So. They have to find that um, natural essence of what rugby's about in the Lions, and that's that's really for me the only way it can survive. But the ru- Will ru- Greenwood, I think
2: was, Green
0: was the last uncapped player to be selected. It used to be a tradition, so why don't they carry that tradition on? Pick an uncapped player, pick someone who you wouldn't expect to go, and see how he does.
1: I didn't realise Graham was, I, I was uncapped. Yeah, I, I don't, so he, I don't
2: disagree with that odds. I think the only thing is the reality is that with this Lions tour coming up is that no matter what you're going to look at at probably 45 players having an involvement you know 35 being selected yeah. and you're going to have somewhere in the region uh, 8 to 10 yeah. you know either you know, you know yeah. probably when the by, from the time the squad meets up to the end of the tour because the brutality of of New Zealand is greater than any other touring nation
0: yeah i think i think the game's gone soft as well i mean you can't even bite anyone nowadays I don't coming to it
1: here, uh, did you actually enjoy that Lions tour in 2001 because there was obviously a lot of controversy off the back of it There, there was you were scapegoated in a lot of places for riling Justin Harrison up and making him out of the match and it, as you pointed out well maybe if the Lions win the last line out and drive over and score the try the complete spin is the, is the opposite direction was there a time when you were like this is all a pain in the hole or actually you could enjoy it?
0: No it was a really good bunch of guys and I think one of the guys that kept it together there was Dai Young I think that midweek team could have quite easily disappeared and just, well, a few of them did disappear. A few of them went home or just went off tour for a few days. And, um, obviously one of the touring party passed away whilst we were away as well. So we, I think there was incidents on it that brought the squad together, but it didn't get off to the best start on the first day when we arrived. And the first speech gave by, uh, given by Graham Henry sort of put everyone on the back foot a little bit. And, uh, it was a good bunch of guys and I enjoyed some of the nights out we had with everyone but could I have taken it or leaving it? Left it? Yeah, definitely.
1: Really? Because like, maybe, I don't know, because it it definitely in this part of the world helped cement your reputation as somebody who was going to (laughs) be
0: destroying Lions games. Well,
1: yeah. (laughs) I don't know because like nobody gets away with saying the stuff that you said unless you're also a really good rugby player. You know, like we obviously in Ireland would have been at that, period falling in love with the Heineken Cup because Munster were doing so well. You guys kept beating them. Uh, there's that incredible Heineken Cup final as well against uh, Stade, I think, where Dominguez kicks 30 points and you guys beat them with a try in the last minute. You know, like yeah. that. that's the, they're all, that's all part of your career when we think about who you are as a rugby player in this country anyway.
0: You know, in a lot of ways, I, I enjoyed playing and winning Heineken Cups and uh, European trophies with less than more than I did going on the Lions tour. And that's not because of personal success or winning or being selected. It's just the sort of group that you end up with. And it's not a desire for other people to see this brand above your head of the Lions or England, but just to play with your mates and to win in adversity. And and, and that that was probably, without doubt, the highlight of my career um, on a one-off day. So, yeah, I think playing with your mates, being with, with your family... Uh, you go on Lions tours. You're not with your family, and it, I, I, I much preferred that.
1: The uh, 2002 hiding Cup final against Munster, <clears throat> very famous in Ireland, obviously for Neil Back. Just a little twitch. Seemed to yeah. s- a little brain spasm, involuntary around. reflex action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he got
0: he got a few letters off the back of that. Apparently, a lot of fan, a lot of support from Ireland.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we can't tell if you're telling the truth about the support because you know there there was some other well, provincial it's- fans. It's-
0: yeah, if you class support as a letter that's been made up out of letters cut up from a newspaper. And <laughs> I I I mean I always did. I always thought they were very uh, supportive those types of letters. I'd always finished off with like some kind of blood. I I, I thought it, it was uh but again it just shows how passionate that support as well. Like you went to those games and you never ever saw any trouble at all in the stands. Not once would you see an argument. You'd see arguments, you'd see passionate arguments, but you'd never see any trouble. And I, I, I've been commentated now. There's just an element of football creeping into our sport. Just a small element that we've got to be so careful to stamp out, which is probably not the right phrase. In England? And I like- think so, yeah. I saw something last week at the gloucester worcester game where uh, somebody stormed the pitch and then his mate ran down and pushed someone over. And I just thought, what are they doing?
2: You know, why, why is that, Oz? Is, is it a different level of fan now coming and supporting the game?
0: I think there is. I think the the marketeers of, of rugby are going out and trying to get more people into the game. And these people that come to watch don't quite understand what they're coming for. And, and, and you get a, a disconnect between the real rugby fan and someone who's there maybe for the first time thinking it's just an opportunity on a Friday night to have a few pints.
3: But so, the the underlying culture of rugby fandom would almost police itself in that regard would it not that you could it's very difficult to see this becoming something that's endemic in the game and endemic amongst supporters and in the stands and in the terraces
0: Well you'd have thought so but I think that um, those fans if they've come from a football environment they're, they're not going to be self policed by words
1: Here before we let you go do you love Eddie Jones? Do you think uh, this is exactly what England needs to be doing? Because he certainly seems to have brought back a, a little bit of uh, actually I'm quite happy to stoke the fires and insult my opponents and offend whoever because I don't really care
0: he's brilliant absolutely brilliant and he's he's worked out the one common denominator in sport and life that makes you a, either a success or with a lack of it a failure and that's confidence and he's breathed confidence into that exact same squad really that was so disappointing during the World Cup and it's he's empowered them to make decisions for themselves he's questioned them he's pushed them he's got more out of them And he seems 24 hours ahead of most of the people, particularly in the media. He always knows what's coming next, and that's the experience and the knowledge and the intellect that he possesses, really.
1: Were you surprised to see Stuart Lancaster end up at Leinster?
0: Uh, I I don't know much about what role he's got. I know Leo's uh, over there. I played a bit with Leo. Uh, he still owes me 40 quid, actually, that he <laughs> lost to me in the last card game when we played on the last game. And if he listens to this, I'd appreciate it in pounds, not euros.
2: It's much um, the same this stage.
0: <laughs> I know it is, mate. I know, yeah. That's why you're laughing. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know. I, I think, look, Stuart is a lovely fellow, which is why I think so many pundits and ex professionals found it so difficult to criticize him, even though they probably knew it was going on.
1: All right. Great stuff, Austin. Thanks very much for joining us.
0: Thanks very much for having me, and uh, I'll be over for the Ireland-England game. I can't wait. It's the first game I'm going to go to in the Six Nations. as just a fan with my wife and and a friend and his wife, so I'm really looking forward to coming over.
1: Well, I'm sure that um, there'll be a lot of people asking for photographs. You you like that, don't Uh, you? You like when people come up and go, here, listen, I'd love a photograph.
0: Yeah, I'll have a red coat on.
1: (laughs) Austin Healy, good stuff. Thanks a million.
0: Cheers, guys. See
1: ya. Cheers, Oz. Coming up in the uh, next hour, I've got the crappy quiz and uh, Friday Night Racing and some other stuff as well. Off the
2: Ball with BetDak.com The Sports Betting Exchange Serious
0: about sports 24-7 Every season, every sport, every team.